Hello there. Welcome to the Narrow Road podcast series, where we are committed to exploring our faith, our finance, and everything in between in the pursuit of legacy wealth. I am Pamela Jolly, creator and author of The Narrow Road. Thank you for joining this journey with us. This first series is focused on exploring my new book, The Narrow Road, a six-part series. Hello again, everyone. This is Pamela Jolly and Nikita Thigpen. And we are again together for part three of The Narrow Road book. And so The Narrow Road, as we said before, is a book that really overviews um, a methodology that I created based on years of research about our relationship with money and ways that we can elevate our standard of business to build wealth. It's a six-part book, and so there's six different parts that we will use in this podcast series to explore the different parts so that you can really understand and get a sense of the intention and the expectation and what you can do with your very own narrow road identity to chart a legacy wealth blueprint. Part one was talking about our history and really the shared history that we have as Americans and how we can build upon that. Part two was talking about our legacy and how legacy is a narrative that didn't start with you and will not end with you unless you disconnect the conversation. So really taking inventory of what matters in your resources and, and how are you going about this, this life in the wilderness and how are you going to try to pass to get out of it. It talked about weathering the storm and how do you build wealth. Our part three series today is about our pursuit. Um, as I discussed in podcast one, you know, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of ownership that George Mason referred to in terms of the American dream. This not life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Essentially, when we slept on happiness, the ownership, which is really the equity stake in America, became optional. And so what is your pursuit? This part of the book really goes through the steps along the narrow road. There are five steps along the narrow road. And with those five steps are an associated capital. So as you move forward towards the narrow road, along the narrow road, you become more aware of the value that you create just by moving further down the road and taking steps. So we're going to talk today about three things. Steps along the narrow road, capital along the narrow road, which is chapter seven, and life, liberty, and the pursuit of promise, which is chapter eight. As I said before, the research was an existential exegesis of Joshua 1 through 12 around the, the, the parable, not the parable, the narrative, the biblical narrative of the promised land. So I asked thousands of people, what is the promised land? How do we get there together? How do we fund it? And what, if anything, do you need to learn to feel more confident of your pursuit? The patterns in those findings began to create what is now the patent-pending method of the narrow road. So, Nikita, thank you so much for being here with me again today and to help assist me through this exploration of the book journey. Um, as I said before, everyone has a unique narrow road identity. That identity is how you navigate the narrow road, which is a neutral system that you are able to bias with who you are along the narrow road. There are five steps. The first step is vision. The second step is thought. The third step is action. The fourth step is speech. And the fifth step is outcome. Nikita, you are an established professional who's advised businesses all over the country and also internationally, I believe. Talk to me about the importance of process and systems and steps in your opinion. 
Absolutely. I'm glad you asked because people miss that step of process implementation. Um, I have, uh, in a similar fashion and without confusing listeners, you have a five-step process. We do as well. And we take people through the stages that they go through themselves, which is they start with a dream, and some people get stuck in dream mode. Um, Now, your vision is created inside your dream. There's no question that that's where it should be formulated, but it shouldn't sit there. It shouldn't become stagnant and just get overrun by 50,000 other dreams, emotions, fears, um, and life challenges that come up. But once you move from that place of your vision, you're able to move through the belief stage. Do you really believe it? And that kind of coincides with what you talk about, Pamela, with you know people really understanding that they have to tap into the fact that they have these talents, right, and have to take ownership of what they have and owning their portfolio so they can really implement whatever the next stage is or next part of the strategy or process that you help them create is. And if you believe it, you can achieve an amazing amount of things, um, which comes into planning. Planning is the third part of that. You have to start your plan by speaking out loud. Speak life over your situation. Speak life into your new process. Really think about how you want to do that, which includes bringing in people who are smarter than you. It's really important for me, excuse me, who is a really um, self Uh, self-proclaimed, really intelligent person, Um, forget schools and colleges and degrees and 4.0s and all that. Beyond that, I proclaim that I'm a really intelligent person, but I have to bring people who are way smarter than me around me, like yourself, who are smarter than me in certain areas where are not necessarily a gap or void, but I'm not the smartest in. So although I understand some aspect of wealth building and financial planning and some of those things that have helped me become successful, I'm clearly not a guru. That's not my expertise area. It's not my lane. So I need to make sure that in my planning process, as I'm developing that new process and system, I have experts like yourself and others who surround me and can help me tweak the gaps that might start to open up and form if I'm not um, adhering to the fact that they they can happen. Because if I don't know what to expect, I can't close it off. If I don't know that there's a leak in the pool, you know, I won't understand it until everything is draining out. And I'm like, oh, wow, now that I can see the bottom of the pool, the bottom of my money pit, now I see <laughs> that there's a leak there. When I want to stop it way before we get to the point that I can see the bottom of the pool, so to speak. Poor analogy, I know, but work with me a little bit. (laughs) Um, And then (laughs) we move from planning into the process of doing. You can't stay stuck in developing either. You've created this process, this system. You've figured out a way to organize so you can move forward and, and do what you're supposed to, but not if you stay stuck in, I'm afraid to do it. And we all get there. I'm raising my hand up um, because I've been there. I've been afraid to do. What happens if I do and people don't accept? What happens if I do and they reject? What happens if I do and I fail? All those things make us not move forward in our doing, whatever that is. The key is to have the right experts and and supporters in place, not just the cheerleaders. You know, cheerleaders are encouraging to our ego, but ego is not really truly what's going to drive you into your success personally and professionally. So having those experts, those advisors, those really formidable supporters around you that came with you in that planning stage of building your process out 
they will help you do because they'll remind you of your why, you know, that vision that was way back in that dream stage of why you want to do what you're supposed to do and why it's important to get it done. So the fifth level of that is now you can preserve your own success. You can maintain what you have, which in your words are creating that legacy. So I think our systems, although I'm I'm helping people for a completely different reason than you are because you're helping them build the wealth, um, I'm helping them to focus and balance so they can maintain the wealth that you help them create, um, personally and professionally, of course. And they coincide so well together. They meld together so well because we're talking the same language just in you're in the left ear and I'm in the right ear to make sure that they're surrounded by support, experts, and advice, which is why processes are so incredibly important. You're not going to get to the doing stage to develop and create the wealth that you desire, that you want, that you need, that your family deserves if you don't plan appropriately. So that's why I love working with people. And as I said before um, in the last podcast series, you know, just like Jesus sent folks out in twos, I collaborate with others. Um, and so these co-collaborators are what I call fellow Torch Legacy Wealth Builders, and Nikita is one of them. And so, you know, for those of you that are going to journey along the narrow road, you will be hearing more about Nikita's work and the work that we are going to do together as it specifically relates to the balance of legacy and life. Um, you know, Nikita is an expert in life balance. And I'm an expert in legacy, wealth, creating it, continuing it, sharing it, and inviting others to be a part of it. And so what Nikita just talked about in terms of processes, processes are really important. What the narrow road helps you do is understand, you know, that that just really detailed what to do. And that is a pathway towards success. But until you understand how to operate that model, it may sound good, but what I've found is a lot of people have trouble actualizing it. So you need someone like Nikita. You need something like the narrow road to be able to help you crystallize it into how it can work for your way. And so in the pursuit, what I focus on is that, listen, what if wealth was a model and like a car, a partner, or some item of value that you want, you could just pick it. All it would relate to is you just understanding the rules of how to choose what you want. And then once you chose what you want, if you learned how to really use what you've chosen, then you could really build wealth your way. And so our pursuit in part three is, is about designing this life that you have. So if you make the minimum wage, in your entire lifestyle of working, you will have made at least a million dollars. So each and every person across the lifetime of who they are is a millionaire. You might not make it in year one. You might make it in 40, 50 years. But we are all capable of at least creating a million dollars. Now, interestingly enough, in the parable of the talent, which is the portfolio of your talent, a talent in the biblical times was the equivalent of a million dollars. So the first servant had a lifetime of income with one talent. The second servant had two lifetimes of income, which he was able to create into four lifetimes of income. And the first servant was able to have five lifetimes of income, which he was able to multiply into ten lifetimes of income. How many lifetimes of income do you have within your portfolio? Isn't it important to be able to design that pursuit? 
if we look at the statistics today where 8,000 baby boomers will retire every day for the next 18 years, and very few of them have any idea about how to live the lifestyle they have grown accustomed to through retirement. You know, as I speak across the country, the first woman who said this, I was just astounded. After I spoke, she came up to me. She's very successful. People would know her if I said her name. She walked up to me and she said, I need to buy your system because I make too much money not to have none. Mm -hmm. And if my family knew what my balance sheet really looked like, Pamela, in light of my income statement, they would be astounded. I've got to design my pursuit. And so that's what this, this, this part three is about. Look, you have an infinite amount of time. You do not have an infinite amount. You have a de- definitive amount of time. You have a window of opportunity to be able to multiply your talents in the best way possible. You've got to be able to design your pursuit. You have to design it in a way that is in alignment with what you want to do for your life. So the steps along the narrow road don't just tell you what to do. They tell you how to do the steps. Because as my grandmother always says, you know what to do, you'll always have a job. You know how to do it, you will soon own the keys to your kingdom. Wealth creation your way is owning the keys to the empire that you're going to create with the hopes that you will convert that empire into a dynasty, one that can pass on for generations. So chapter six is about the steps, vision, thought, action, speech, and outcome. They're very general because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. But understanding how you do it allows you to own the keys to your kingdom. Associated with each step is a capital because you have to fund your progress along the narrow road. And so the principles are this along the narrow road. Vision, seeing is believing. So think about it. Think about something that someone might share with you that you don't see. Do you immediately believe it? There's a specific way that you have to be presented things to in order to believe it. And it's your unique way of seeing things. With your narrow road identity, we will be able to get explicit about what that really is. The next principle is thought. Because what I found is belief drives action. So once you see it and you believe it, do you own it? Can you act upon it? One of the things that my father would always say to me is, the longer you're in school, the dumber you get. And I would say, Daddy, what do you mean? And what he was trying to tell me is, look, you got all that knowledge up in your head. How can you apply it so that it can benefit yourself and others? How can you package it in ways that you don't just benefit, that other people can Your belief drives your action. I'd like you guys to think about it. Based on your education, whether it's experiential or academic, how much of what you've learned in your lifetime to date do you actually apply in your daily living? Does it drive your action? Because what doesn't drive your action that you know is what actually you aren't very sure of. You're not confident of it. You might know what, but you don't know how. So understanding the know-how that you have 
to be able to drive the life that you want to live. The next principle is action. Action reveals purpose. So the number of entrepreneurs that come up to me with a great idea, and they've even thought about it a little bit, but they haven't done anything with it. Maybe some of you out there are entrepreneurs or some of you out there are executive leaders or some of you out there are people desiring to move up the ranks in whatever your chosen profession is. Are you doing something about it? Because, again, seeing is believing. Can people see this action that you know you're capable of doing? Because it reveals not just purpose, it reveals your purpose, your purpose for being in the room, your purpose for being right here in this moment, right now, it reveals purpose. And the fourth principle is speech. Well, purpose reveals your truth. You know, in the Bible it says your gifts will make room for you. Well, if you're not speaking, if your life is not speaking your truth, how do we know what room you're supposed to be in? So many of us remain mute in the very rooms that we're supposed to be in because our life is not demonstrating our truth. Our words are not life because our actions are not speaking. And so as a result, what is your true method of speech? And the last principle, which is the last step, is outcomes. So if purpose speaks your truth, truth delivers on promises. So over time, this truth spoken consistently. Your message of your life purpose spoken consistently will deliver on a promise. I've been an entrepreneur for 11 years. I've been talking about Torch for 11 years. I've been talking about the narrow road for about eight years. I don't talk about anything else. This is my truth. And so I'm delivering on the promise of what I saw 11 and eight years ago. Because this is what I continue to focus on. Outcomes are what you focus on. So if you take these steps coupled with your narrow road identity, the road ahead of you becomes much clearer than just a basic system. Nikita and I are experts in creating systems. What you have to become is an expert in applying them to your life in your way so that you can produce the results that we know are possible You have to know specifically how to pursue these results in the way that works for you. And that's what the narrow road helps you to do. This is incredible. I know I say that a lot. You know, amazing, incredible, and awesome are my terms that I use repetitively as if I don't have a larger vocabulary. Um, (laughs) But the narrow road system, I have to say, from what I've learned from you so far and in our our personal and private conversations, is not just for people who have never created systems before, but for those who've already created them. I'm learning from the narrow road system, and I've been creating systems for years. We're talking almost two decades' worth of system creation. Um, for personal growth as well as for professional growth, for business leaders, for non-business leaders who are dynamic in their professions as pastors and counselors and ministers um, and advisors of other sorts that are not necessarily connected directly to money. And I've created systems for them and helped them walk through the creation of their own system, and I'm learning from this. So I have to segue with saying that this mastermind intensive is for anyone 
who really wants to go to the next level and their ability to understand the truth behind creating wealth. So I thank you for putting this together. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Um, I'm going to use my terms again. Incredible, awesome, amazing is what I expect. (laughs) And I know that you'll live up to those expectations. So I'm just excited. Well, thank you, Nikita. I want people to understand, you know, the in this part three of the book, the last chapter is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of promise. And it's a way to be able to design the process of how you'll actualize what our American history is all about. And I think it's really helpful for people to understand a perspective of our American history that I haven't really heard talked about a lot. Um, I've read a lot of books thousands of books in support of The Narrow Road. One of the books that I really, really enjoyed was The 5,000-Year Leap. And a portion of the book really talks about the beginnings of America. And I want to share that with you real quick. It's a part of the book because it talks about the genesis of America, which was a land without promise, right, in the beginning. We had to take possession of it. So listen to this and consider how this impacts how you want to design your pursuit. America was thought of as the land of milk and honey. Most of its first settlers died from starvation. So let me, let me, let me say that again. Most of the first settlers of America died from starvation. It was seven long years of repeated failure, repeated failure, for the first group who desired to build the land of free enterprise in Jamestown, Virginia. The early settlers had left what was familiar to start up a new business venture with the intention of building wealth from mining gold. That was the first desired outcome when people came over here. That was their plan, and armed with the history that colonization was nothing new to English settlers, it was believed that America would be no different to take possession of. But starving times kept killing each new group of determined settlers. I'm talking about the early 1600s. And in Jamestown, the creature comforts of organization, policy, and free labor, otherwise known as slavery, had not been established. So the early settlers of America couldn't do it on their own. They needed some sort of system to be able to help them. And so leadership tools to build a nation and resources to feed these first movers were the common issues of the wilderness of early America. They're also our common issues today. Who's leading you in your wealth journey? What part of the nation are you focused on building? What resources do you feel you have at your disposal to feed the people who want your first in your family? Do you have those issues? They'd help, they'd help to have a system to be able to help you move forward. The early settlers began with a collective model. They believed if they pulled from one storehouse, they would have enough to succeed. Unlike the Israelites whose supply came from God in the wilderness, the expectation of these first settlers was that the, the storehouse would be replenished from the harvest that came from their work in the land. Over time, successful colonies were to be established. But that didn't happen. People didn't know what their unique thing was to do. So while some people were tasked with filling the storehouse and doing this and doing that, everyone would sneak off and try to get gold. And that was not successful. 
it wasn't until someone from the aristocracy came over and basically said, here's the problem. These people have no ownership. Give them all a piece of land to own. Give them some seed and tell them they can do whatever they want to do with it. But 10% of it needs to come back to the storehouse. Once you know your book of business, once you know how you can do this, you can design your path. You're given an assignment and you're given an outcome. How clear are you about your assignment, your outcome? Do you just go to work every day? Do you just go to grow your business every day? Is there a plan? Have you designed your pursuit? That's what part three is all about, designing it with some specific steps, custom-tailored by your unique identity, so that you're really clear about the business of you. Do you think that would be helpful for your clients, Nikita? Um, I think it's helpful for me. How about that? Uh, you know, we, <laughs> um, you know, pulling the curtains back a little bit, you know, we all go through phases and, you know, I'm going to speak for myself first and not even talk about my clients yet. We go through phases where you feel like you got it. You, you, you know, I get it. I know what my purpose is. My purpose is to empower. My purpose, my purpose is to help people refocus. You know, I get it. I know it. I know my talents, my gifts, my skills. I get it. And something happens one morning and you wake up and say, wait, I'm, um, you know, I'm questioning, am I still on the right path? Did I veer away because of some other thing that I was good at, you know, because we're good at a lot of things, you know, not tooting our own horn, but we are. We're, when you work really hard at being who you're supposed to be, not who other people want you to be, but who you're supposed to be, you really develop a lot of quality, great things and skills that you're really, really good at. And sometimes those things that you're really good at start to overshadow what you're supposed to be doing as a part of your purpose. So these little things that you've um, kind of dominated in, and just use some real realistic examples so it doesn't sound too eccentric, you know, I'm really good at coaching. You know, I'm just, I'm just really good at it, and I'm grateful for that. That's a skill that's been developed over years because I'm a licensed clinician, and it turned into me coaching people outside of the diagnostician part of what I had to do um, and coaching them to do different things that involve these process improvement, implementation, creation things. And I was like, wow, I'm really good at it. And I found myself coaching more part of part of what I did as a part of living, as a part of my business. It is, in fact, part of the division that we offer for business. And quickly, I looked up one morning and said, but wait, coaching isn't my purpose gift. It's just something I'm really good at. So does that mean I'm not supposed to do it? Is that something that's now become such a distraction that it's diverted me off my path? Or is it, in fact, now pulling me in a, in a way that I want to be? So I think we all go through those things where you're like, wait a minute, how did I get over here? You know, this really great thing that was really helpful, and it was helpful to other people, so it made you feel good, right, kind of going back to that that part of your ego that, you know, wants to be tickled and comforted and stroked, like, wow, like, I'm so grateful that I was able to help someone. So you start to feel good and, and get, you know, get caught in your feelings, as the kids would say. You're all up in your feelings. You know, you get in your feelings, <laughs> and then your feelings start to lead you instead of your vital function. And I think there's a super significant difference that you're talking about between that feeling of, you know, this was the right thing, it just felt good, you know, I was impactful and I was helpful 
versus it being your vital function of what you're supposed to do. And again, from a business perspective, it doesn't mean that you can't have a coaching division or a um, I'm just making up additional things, financial division or some other division because of all these things you were good at, and you can hire other people who have that vital function of coaching, that vital function of financial planning, that vital function of whatever that other element, product packaging, you know, whatever it is um, that they help to do, and it grows your mogul-minded business because the point is for you to create that legacy that has a ripple effect through the generations, which is amazing. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to do all those things. And I think that even for myself, including my clients, this is something that comes up constantly. And you start, you know, those seeds of doubt start to get planted. You know, am I in fact on the right road? Am I doing the best thing? Well, maybe I shouldn't do it at all because I'm questioning it. How is someone else going to believe me and that I can do it if I'm not quite sure that I believe it myself anymore. And it's that there's that pause because we go through those those parts of ourselves where we're like, oh, yeah, I could do this. And, you know, I'm speaking life into my situation. I, I get it. I'm here. I'm there. And then you start to doubt, and those seeds get watered by time. You know, the time that's occurring, that's opening up this huge gap from the implementation, that doing stage that we talk, that we both talk about a lot, the point, you know, the point for you to do something. Um, for you, it's the journey of the do. For me, it's literally just doing. Um, when that gap of time opens up, it's like watering all those seeds of doubt, and they're growing, <laughs> and they're starting to produce fruit of more doubt of whether or not you're able to do it. And I believe that that comes up for anyone who is in a uh, position of impact where you are charged with the heavy responsibility to impact others. And that's not a task that I take lightly, I know for a fact, Pamela, that you don't take it lightly. And when you, when you have that weight on your shoulders of this awesome, incredible, amazing <laughs> responsibility to impact others, you have to fight against yourself. You're the biggest challenge that you will ever face in your own journey. And the narrow road seems to, from what you've talked about, give great tools to equip us for dealing with that, even if you, quote, unquote, think you've made it and you've gotten to that place of not needing any other assistance on that level, it comes up again. Because if you're still here, if you're still alive, if you're still breathing, you're not done walking in your purpose, which means there's more journey road ahead. So although you've accomplished um, and tackled that one mountain and gotten, you know, that gotten to that milestone where you felt really good and, again, you got in your feelings, okay, I got it, what's next, new level, there's also a new devil there. There's a new mm -hmm. challenge there because you're starting to dream again and you have to go through that cycle all over again for the next thing, which is amazing if you have that charge on your life. It means that you, you have a call that is so immense and intense that you have to forge, for, you know, forge ahead with it. But there's also that that evil, um, unfortunate opening that keeps coming up for people like us, that you have to have people like us, no pun intended, in your life consistently to help you build that light around you. Like you said, the, the torch has to, you know, continue to light each other along the way because it comes up. It comes up for me as an advisor 
to other advisors. And, and it definitely comes up with my clients because that's the reason they're coming to me to get help. So I can help them uh, on that one level, but I have to keep my flame ignited. So I have to go to people like you who can help me do that. Um, it's very important, and it's, you know, I can't say that it's not helpful for my clients because it's most helpful for me so that I can continue to help my clients. Absolutely. So that's awesome. And, you know, you really just hit on so many different good points. And I think that one of the things about your pursuit, I mean, you've got to design it. And there are, my grandma, my mother always says, an end in the road is just a bend in the road unless you forget to turn. And for me, along the narrow road, you'll see with your identity that with each what seemingly looks like the bend in the road, I can't do no more, I can't see it no more, I can't feel it no more, I don't understand anymore, it's not an end. You just need to turn to someone to help you. And to get that level of specificity of what you need, you know, there are some things that you're going to be able to do hands down, eyes closed, by yourself. But there's some things that you're going to need a collaboration. You're going to need a coach. You're going to need a partner. You're going to need an alliance. And what the narrow road helps you do is know what relationships you need and when. And part three is about designing that pursuit. And so getting out of the storm, build wealth your way, understanding that wealth is a group process, requires that you design the road ahead of you. And the steps along the narrow road allow you to do that in a language that you understand so that you can translate it to the people that you're going to have to solicit to help you. Because this life, liberty, and the pursuit of promise is something you really want. It's the light at the end of your tunnel. When you think of a torch, not all the flames are colored the same. There's some fire in there that's yours, but if you have a torch, there's some fire in there that are the flames of others, others that need your heat, and need to make you hotter, and need to be able to shine it brighter so that the collective work of yourself can shine onto future generations. What I say to my mentees at the Wharton School and at Hampton, that sounds great, baby. I understand you have that degree. I understand you're pursuing this degree, and then you want to do this degree. What's the design of your pursuit? What do you want to really do with that? What are your steps to get to where you want to go? I love working with emerging entrepreneurs, ones that just have the idea. They don't have the product. They haven't really sold anything. But in their hearts, they believe they are an entrepreneur. And there's a one woman that I talked to, and she said, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to launch this center, and it's going to support all these people in my community, and it's going to do this, and it's going to do that. And I said, okay. So that's the, the vision. So how are you going to do that? She says, well, I'm going to need a doctorate, and I'm, I'm also going to need a master's, and I haven't really finished my undergraduate degree. So I've got to, you know, these are the things that I need. Okay, so how many more years do you need with your undergraduate degree? Well, I have about two or three more years. Okay, the master's is going to take about two years, right? The doctorate might take about six. So you've got about ten years, really, really, to be prepared for this vision, right? She was like, well, I hadn't really thought about that way because, you know, once I have these things I'm going to be able to do, I said, I get that. But in 10 years' time, how are you going to support yourself for right now? Mm How is this going to work? How is this going to materialize? And the target market that you're focused on, helping so much, 
Are they going to need this 10 years from now? Is there something you can offer them now with what you have? And so fostering those types of things for experienced business owners, especially another target that I love to work with is my parents' generation and even my grandparents' generation. They've already had success for themselves. What they say to me often is, look, I fulfilled my dream, but my vision isn't going to work if I can't pass this torch to somebody else. But these young whippersnappers, they don't value what I've done, and they don't know this, and they don't know that. I'm like, okay, let's design the pursuit beyond you. This company has been successful for what? How has it been successful? Are there any alterations that you can't do by yourself that you need somebody else younger with more energy and maybe a different degree or a different perspective that can grow this beyond you? What are your deal breakers? What part of this vision has to remain the same so that it is your vision carrying over with a new set of legs, a new mind, and maybe additions to your staff? So it's let's design the pursuit beyond you. So for people who are listening today, design your pursuit. Where is it that you go from here? Why are you waiting? I promise you. The steps along the narrow road, if nothing else, will help you get clear about what is ahead of you, what's the value behind you, and what are the steps to get past where you know to go. And with those steps come a capital. Because access to capital, we talked about the different issues. One of them was trust in terms of a roadblock. We talked about in podcast number two that what underlies a lack of trust is a lack of organization. The second roadblock that I found in my research was this access to capital. Oh, well, Pamela, we don't have access to capital. If we had access to capital, we'd be able to do this and we have to do that. We'd be able to do this. Not a money problem. It's a clarity issue. As you will learn when you master your narrow road identity, you have everything you need to fund what you want. But if you don't believe it, the doubt will get you to look elsewhere. Will lever yourself with hard money lending, subprime loans, debt you can't afford. We'll, we'll have you put your business on a credit card when you're behind really does need to go to a bank or talk to a series of friends and family to invest in your vision. Design your pursuit. Get clear upon your steps, what you can do by yourself, what you have to do with others, what does require partnerships so that you can grow, and what does rely on alliances for you to be able to expand. Design your pursuit so that you can live a life of liberty and promise. That's what part three of the book is all about. That's what part three of the mastermind will be all about, having explicit intimate conversations based on your identity with your desired outcomes, the wealth you want to build and the life you want to live, what's the pursuit? Because once you get it, once you write your vision and make it plain, then you can do what part four is about, which is running with it. So until next time, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I hope that it's helped you to get a little clearer more about what the narrow road is all about and how it can benefit you. I hope you have seen how Nikita and I flow with each other. Because as I talked about the Torch Legacy Partners and how Jesus sent folks out in two, she's a collaboration partner with me. And we will be charting a pathway along the narrow road to talk about life balance and legacy balance. 
It's our two expert skills merging together to be able to help you in a better way, to be able to help you balance this tension between living for now and living for the future. Go to, to wealthwithpamelajolly.com. Sign up to be made aware of how this roadmap that we're going to talk about, Nikita and myself, about life and legacy balance, will be, when it will be made available. Sign up to be made available about the to be made aware of when the narrow road mastermind will come up. Sign up to be able to say, I want this book. I want the roadmap. I want to create my own legacy blueprint. Join the journey. Wide is the gate of life. Narrow is the road to legacy wealth. Few find it and even fewer take it. But once you have your narrow road identity, the choice is yours. Design your pursuit. That includes your legacy and our history. And let's get to the business of building wealth for ourselves. Until next time, stay jolly and God bless. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and I look forward to seeing you further down the narrow road. Until next time, take care, God bless, and continue to have a jolly good day.